Mississippi Valley State pulls off the upset to end their season. We take a look back at the 2021 season for the MEAC and what went wrong for FAMU in the first round of the FCS playoffs. Oh yeah, this Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making me your first listen of the day, and today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa for special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Now, I have my own personal goal that I'm shooting for, and I want you guys to keep me accountable so you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Keep me accountable if you catch me not doing it. I want to use the word of the day every day in this podcast. Now, mind you, I record the day before it technically comes out, so I will be using yesterday's word by the time that you hear it, but it's today for me. So I'm going to say, there you go. Or that's the word, something that lets you know that I used it. And if I don't do it, I want you guys to keep me honest and tell me you didn't use the, the word of the day. South Exclusives on Twitter. So y'all keep me honest, okay? Now we're going to get into Prairie View versus Mississippi Valley State. And this was a huge upset. Let's first look at it from Prairie View's point of view. Because they're the losers and I don't want to harp on them too much. But one has to wonder... They are about to go into the SWAC championship. Is this going to be something that stunts their momentum? Number one, they don't really have any momentum right now. But also, I look to see who was the last team that lost a game going into the SWAC championship. Their last game going into the SWAC championship. Who was that team? And that team was Alcorn. Alcorn State, in 2017, lost their last game. And then they went on to lose in the SWAC championship to Southern. I mean, excuse me, to Grambling. The last team before that was Alcorn again in 2014, but they went to knock off Southern. So you look at the last two teams to, to have done it. Yes, it's the same team, but two different iterations. The, the successes kind of went both ways. So it's really no way to call it. And I think that's a pretty fair assessment as well, because it's an any, any given Sunday, any given Saturday type of deal. So that means that Jackson State could have an off day on December 4th. And they could just lose to, to Prairie View. Doesn't matter if Prairie View lost to Mississippi Valley State. Doesn't matter if they lost to anybody because it's any given Saturday. Since you want to adjust it for the college, college game, it's any given Saturday. So I don't really think that that matters. Um, it's not a big deal to me because Prairie View already had it locked up. One could say they lost focus. I don't. No, I don't I actually don't believe that. I don't know anything. I don't have any inside information, but I don't think that they would want to just go into the SWAC championship riding a losing streak. So I don't think that they just overlooked Mississippi Valley State. I, I Not only do I not want to do it that way because of Prairie View, I also don't want to do it because I think it kind of discredits what Mississippi Valley State was able to accomplish 
And that is arguably their biggest win of the season when you really look at it because th this is a team. This is a team that has not excelled for some years. So, no, I don't want to do that. I think Prairie View just got beat. Is that concerning? I'm going to tell you yes and no. I'm not trying to play both sides, but if you look at it with just an isolated incident type of lens, then no, I don't think you should be concerned. We just looked at the history of teams who lost in the game before the SWAC championship. We saw we saw what that did to them. You win, you lose. Any given Saturday, it happens. However, it has become a pattern, and that's what's concerning. You lost to Alcorn, you lost to Texas A&M, we'll take that out, whatever, right? But you lost to Alcorn, and now you've lost to Mississippi Valley State, and you're on a three-game losing streak with two of those games being in conference. That's what really needs to be hammered home. That's what needs to be talked about in that Panther locker room down there in Prairie View, Texas. So it's three in a row, and that's what we're going to talk about as the week goes on and we get ready to get into swag play. But like I said, we're not going to harp on that because we're going to look we're going to look at the victors. And the victors is Mississippi Valley State. And when you look at the other teams that they had knocked off before Prairie View, you have Alabama State, North Carolina Central, Bethune-Cookman, and no disrespect to those teams, but Prairie View won the SWAC West. They were the best team on their side of the conference. So for Mississippi Valley State to knock them off, that is a really big deal. And they did it with the running game and they did it with defense. Ironically, those are the same things that I said FAMU needed to do to knock off Southeastern Louisiana, but that's a different time, different place. We'll talk about that later on in the podcast. So that's what Prairie View fell victim to. They fell victim to Caleb Johnson and they fell victim to a really good defensive performance by Mississippi Valley State. Now, did they come in and light it up like the candles on a menorah? No, they didn't. Menorah, that's the word of the day. Um, and I'll probably do something a lot more subtle when trying to highlight my word of the day. But they didn't have to do that. They came in with a good game plan. Run the ball. A good game plan. Play really good defense. And I want to highlight one part of their defensive performance, and that's the turnovers. It started off from the very beginning. Both sides started off fast, but defense came out with an immediate three and out. And then on the next drive, they had an interception. That was responded to by another touchdown to open up a quick 14 to nothing lead. But that didn't stop there. They then had a turnover in the most crucial moment with 13 seconds left in the game. They had another interception just to ice it. It was pretty much done, but just to make sure there was no big-time plays or anything, they intercepted another pass by Jawan Pass. and I'm, that, was a, that was an accident, all right? I do some of these on purpose. That was an accident. Um, but they intercepted another pass, and that effectively iced the game officially, you know? All they had to do was kneel it out at that point. Then you look at the offensive performance, it was Caleb Johnson. It was Caleb Johnson's day. Mississippi Valley ran 63 plays. Caleb Johnson ran 40 times. That's nearly two-thirds of the plays ran through the running back. That is incredible. They only threw the ball 12 times, completed eight of them. So they're still efficient on that side. So they're completing two-thirds of the passes, but they only attempted 12 of them. 
one of those touchdown passes was 60 yards. So that's that's a great job. But clearly, Caleb Johnson is the heartbeat of the team, or excuse me, the heartbeat of that performance. And I think this closes out an actually impressive season for Mississippi Valley State when you really think about it, because it's been since 2013 since they've won more than one game in the conference. This year, they've won three. That's a really good step up. Um, I went to Texas Southern, okay? I was a Texas Southern alum, sports editor at the TSU Herald. Mississippi Valley State, for the for most of the time that I was there, or really all the time I was there, was not good. That was not a good team. And to see them slowly take a step up from being a one-win-in-a-conference team to upsetting the best team in the SWAC West, I think that's very impressive. And that that doesn't even mention that they played FAMU really close and even had a lead in the fourth quarter. So I think that we'll see where things go as time continues. However, this was an impressive performance, and hopefully for something Hopefully for Mississippi Valley State, this is something that they can build upon and they can go forward with. Calling college football fanatics. Have you heard of Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it and I know you will too. It's the leader in college sports daily fantasy, offering more props than anyone in the world. All on the college football players from the Power Five, mid majors, some people you never even heard of. Prize Picks offers props from yardage, touchdowns, interceptions. And if you want an 100%, Instant deposit match up to $100. Use the promo code Locked On. You pick two to five players, do the over or under, and you can win 10 times your entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks offers mixed sports entries, so you can take the over on LeBron, maybe the under on Mahomes. It doesn't matter. Use the award-winning app on the App Store in Google Play, and entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, so no excuse for time. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code locked on or go to the App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks, your daily fantasy made easy. Welcome back to Locked On HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And now we're about to take a look into the 2021 season for the MEAC. Now, football season's already over because there is no conference championship game. You just decide who's the conference champion based off of the regular season. And this conference is vastly different from where they were last time we seen them. Last time we seen them for real, I'm not even really counting that whole 2020 season because COVID is real. And COVID COVID heavily impacted how these schools were operating. That's both in the MEAC and the SWAC and all around the country. It's not just these HBCUs is all of, you know, you look at the Pac-12, you look at the Big Ten, these type of schools had heavily impacted schedules due to COVID. And I'm throwing that out the window for the most part. So last time we really seen this conference in action was 2019. It was so different. And I don't mean just the quality of play. I mean, the quantity of play. You had a FAMU, you had a Bethune-Cookman, both of those schools left to go to the SWAC and really expanded one of the prominent HBCU conferences while taking away from another one. Meanwhile, North Carolina A&T, they decided to go to the Big South. And this was a team who won the conference last time we've seen them. So in 2019, I almost want to say last year, but in 2019, they were the winners and the represent, they were the ones who represented the MEAC in the Celebration Bowl. So now you fast forward to 2021. 
There was nine. Now there's six. So flip the nine upside down. Or no, flip the six upside down. It's a nine now. Sorry, I'm a Kendrick guy. You know, I, I be trying to I be trying to quote Drake and whatnot, but I'm really a Kendrick Cole guy. Really a Cole guy, but uh I try. I try to I try to get my little pop culture references in there every now and then. But fast forward to 2021, and there's no longer nine teams in the MIAC. It's now six. So there's no conference championship because there's not enough teams. Um, and that conference champ is no. I'm gonna leave you guys hanging for a little bit. I'm gonna go from the bottom to the top. So let's look at the standings within the MIAC. It's only six teams, so I won't keep you hanging for too long. But the the bottom two are Morgan State and Howard. Both have a one and four um, record in conference, which we'll lead them out from real discussion. But now you get into these teams that really seemingly had a chance to win the conference. I would say a couple weeks before the season was over. And Norfolk State ended off at number four. And somewhat surprising because they had an all-star offense. I mean, a great offense. And ultimately, it was kind of their defense that let them down. But they had the most points scored and also the most points allowed within the conference. So they allowed over 30 points in two of their three losses at the end of the season because they actually won their first two conference games but then lost their third. So even with their even with their hot streak that they were having, their offense faltered at the end too, only putting up two performances or excuse me, putting up two performances that were less than 30 points against FCS opponents and the only two times that happened during the season was in conference play at the very end. So that's not a easy pill to swallow. They had some tough losses but ultimately at the end of the season they just got overwhelmed. So their offense isn't to be challenged. I'm not trying to say to knock their offense because they were the top offense in the MEAC, scoring and yardage and the biggest representers on that all MEAC first team offensive team. Now, number three, statistically, this is a team I felt should have won the MEAC if you just look at the, the stats, if you just go look at the end of the year, and that's Delaware State. They're top two in points scored and top two in points allowed. So that means they allowed the least amount, right? Not they uh, allowed the most. They're not down. They're not at the bottom two. But a big upset by Morgan State. Morgan State's only conference victory of the year came against Delaware State. Was probably one of their biggest surprises of the year. Um, this school and Norfolk made up the whole first team offense. So that really just speaks to how prolific this offense really was. This isn't this isn't a team that struggled to put up points. It's not a team that struggled to stop people from putting up points they just had some bad breaks you know that 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 morgan state game it wasn't like they lost a shootout it wasn't like they put up a lot of points either though it was just bad breaks at bad times and it resulted in a two and three conference schedule now now here we go and this is when it gets tough because these next two teams you have south carolina state and north carolina central and One's four and one, one's five and zero, oh. and the only team that that four and one team lost to was the five and zero oh team, and your champs are South Carolina State. Um, South Carolina State is the champ, and this is their 18th MIAC victory, and it's tough because North Carolina obviously was good. They were obviously good. They knocked off everybody in the conference except for that one team, and that one team was South Carolina State. So I want to talk about South Carolina State because 
They had the coach of the year. And I think more importantly than anything, when you're looking at champions and what a champion really is, a champion is one who can win no matter how you how it's needed, right? So I'm a I'm a MMA guy. I love MMA. And here's one of the things in MMA that makes a great champion. You have champions who are just stand-up fighters and they're phenomenal. But the champions that we love, outside of the ones that can really slug it out, the ones we really respect, you know, and say those those are some of the greatest of all time. They can do it on both, the ground and standing up. They can beat you in different ways. I use this this um, analogy on my podcast, the Mouth of the South podcast, when I was talking about the Saints game. John Jones was a guy who specifically went to Daniel Cormier and said, I want to beat you wrestling, even though that's your game. And we know John Jones, he can do work on the feet. He has the ability to do both, and that's what makes him a great champion, in my, in my opinion, the GOAT. But that's what makes a great champion. And South Carolina State showed that same ability this year. They had defensive battles against Delaware State. They had defensive battles against Howard. They were able to outscore Norfolk State, which I just, which I just told you was the best offense in the MEAC. So they were able to grind it out, low-scoring games, but they're also able to put up points on teams that are used to putting up points. You show me a way that they need to win, and I'll show you a game they did it in. You know? And I think, ultimately, that's what's so impressive about their season, and I think that's the reason that they really deserve to win the MEAC, and they beat all the teams. You know? They beat North Carolina Central, the only team to do that. They beat Delaware State. They outscored Norfolk State. They took care of business against a team like Howard or Morgan State. Why wouldn't they be the champs? They earned it. They deserve it. And they also have the coach of the year. 18th and uh, 18th MEAC victory or MEAC championship, I should say. So all kudos to South Carolina State for knocking off North Carolina Central and essentially the MEAC championship game, for lack of a better term. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. You sink it and the championship's yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Visibility and control for your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more all in one place. So you don't have to go here and there into that app and that app and do everything you want. It's all here. It's easy for you. NetSuite can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying ahead of your competition. 93% of the surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for a special end of the year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash NCAA. There's not a Monday in the year that's like Cyber Monday. And built.com is the place to aim your mouse. Get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That's 20% off site wide and even bigger discounts on built boost, broth, and built swag. Where it is, there's a new flavor in town just in time for Cyber Monday. Caramel Almond Delight. And it delivers on everything it promises. Caramelized chocolate? Check. Almonds? Check. Delightful? Double check. And here's the thing. It's 17 grams of protein and only 150 calories. And this season, maybe you're craving white chocolate. I don't know. For a limited time, get special new Built Bar Puff flavor 
white chocolate cheesecake. The yummy protein treat filled with a marshmallowy center and covered in white chocolate. This is a 17 grams of protein and only 140 calories. Something this good shouldn't be this healthy. Tis the season to save and give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. Go to Built.com for these incredible tasting new bars and 20% off everything. Head to Built.com and enter the code LOCKED20 before it's too late. What's going on, La Familia? We are here. Closing out Locked on HBCU, and we're recapping the FAMU Southeastern Louisiana matchup in the first round of the FCS playoffs. And this was the challenge of big on big, good on good, and advantage went to Southeastern Louisiana. FAMU is this defensive stalwart, while Southeastern Louisiana was an offensive juggernaut. Somebody had to lose, but just because FAMU was the one who lost, it didn't mean it was all doom and gloom. They scored a lot of points. But within those drives, I actually seen a lot from FAMU that showed exactly why they were considered one of the best defensive best defenses in the FCS. First off, let me highlight a couple of players. And I want to start off with Marquise Bell because he had a feature at halftime. And in there, there was a quote that I thought was pretty cool. And it was talking about how people are saying that he might be the highest pick Rattler since before he was born. And on this game... On this stage, he showed why. Because he was always out there being physical. And that's really what he what he what he showcased the best, I thought. Because there was a play, and it, it was interesting because my guy Devin Jackson, who does a lot of this content, you guys should make sure that you follow him because he's great for this, guys. And you can find him on Twitter at real D underscore Jackson. And he had this play where Marquise Bell split between two defenders and made a open field tackle. It was something I noticed live. It's something that he put up on his Twitter. So if you want to see the play, he actually has footage of it. And, man, Marquise Bell is a player. He deserves it. It's a reason why I've seen him mocked in the fourth round. And then Savion Williams made a couple of plays towards the line of scrimmage as well. Big fella, big number zero. You know, he had he, he had his day too because he had a couple of sacks, batted down a pass or two. He really did show up. And those are two players to me that really stood out. And the defense as a whole made plays. Um, like I said, in the midst of these drives, I still saw the reason people said they were so great. You see it every time. Because though they were good, though they played well, it just wasn't good enough at times. And that's that's more so the problem, not just that they weren't good. And I want to give a couple of examples. Number one, on the first possession of the game, they forced Southeastern Louisiana into a field goal attempt on fourth and seven. Selah takes a field goal. You just held the number one offense to a field goal. That's super impressive. But they fake the field goal, and it scores a touchdown on that play. And it's like, man, you were good enough to force them into a fourth down in long, really, fourth and seven. They had to kick it. You weren't going to go for it. But they faked the kick. And the, the energy that you get from forcing them to three is a lot different than giving up seven. And then to give up seven on a fake kick, I honestly think that, I know it's early to say this, but I really think that that was a momentum changer. And it was really something that shifted everything because giving up seven is way different than giving up three, and you gave it on a fake kick. It's one of those things that was kind of demoralizing because you give up three and it's energetic on the sideline. You give up seven in that way and it's all doom and gloom now it's a big deal you know 
I, I I don't I'm not gonna sit here and say that they win the game if if that play goes a different way, but I will say that I don't think they score as many points. You know, I think that was something that could really take the air away from a team. You know, you're probably excited. You going to the sideline like we just stopped them and then boom that happens and it's like man. And the way the offense is playing, it ain't it ain't it ain't much room for error. Um, then there's another play where you force them to a punt. They're up twenty four nothing at this point. Games in hand. I didn't feel like this was necessary, but you fake the punt and they get that. And it's like you're good enough, but not good. You were good, but you're not good enough. And that 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 was really the story of the defensive performance. They did things that were really good. They did things that were really good, but not good enough. And here goes the one that includes the offense because. You get an interception by Antoine Collier, who had just had a big hit and forced a fourth down, um, liter- literally the play, or excuse me, the possession before. I mean, he had a stinger, and he came back and had an interception. That's the type of play that your offense is supposed to capitalize, but you were good, even great on there, because that was Cole Kelly's seventh interception of the year, so he hadn't turned over the ball much. That was one of our keys to victory, was forcing turnovers, and the offense just did nothing with it. And that was the difficult part. So even when you were good and when you thought you were good enough, it just wasn't good enough because your offense wasn't capitalizing. And some of those deficiencies came because penalties. They had 11 penalties for 107 yards, something that had been a problem for them all all year. You know, finally reared their ugly head at the worst moment, having those penalties. They were the second most penalized team in the FCS as far as yardage goes. But then also it was – not executing. There was times when the ball just couldn't get to the receivers, and there was times when the receivers got the ball close to them, but they just didn't capitalize. And the thing with with this game was you didn't really have room for error, and the Rattlers were rattling off a lot of mistakes. And uh, All right, that one was on purpose, and I thought it was going to be a little better. But, okay, I'm cheesy. Anyway, y'all came with me this far. You can't leave now. So <laughs> you got to stuck with me. But the problem is you get into these third and longs because you're having these mistakes and you're having these penalties, and now you're in third and long, and the offense wasn't doing well. You can't put a struggling offense in third and longs. It's just not going to work. So you have to correct these self-mistakes. Unfortunately, that was the last game, single elimination. But those are the things that really held back the Rattlers' offense for real, for real. That's what that's what was holding them back. Penalties. Self-imposed mistakes, whether that was drop passes. It's just a lot. And the offense just was never able to get going. Didn't have a a drive over 40 yards until the end of the game in their last two drives when they scored touchdowns. But the game was well over at that point. You know, and I don't think this is anything for them to hang their head about. I don't think they will because they got a standing ovation from the FAMU crowd who traveled well, traveled down to Hammond, or excuse me, traveled west to Hammond. And... They deserve to be proud of themselves, man. They they made it far, and they, they performed well, and they really were one of the best teams in the FCS, and this game does nothing to change that. you know. So stick with us. Tomorrow we're going to be talking a little basketball. We're going to be talking about Chris Paul's tournament, the second one that he's held in just a week. We're going to be talking about that and much more. So if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Talk to me, man. I'm always trying to talk to you guys, so let me know what's going on. And in the meantime, thanks for making me your first listen. Now for your second listen, go to Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, is free and available on all 
platforms. Till next time y'all hear me, man. Take care. Blessings. And don't do nothing I wouldn't do.